Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. This is it. This is it, folks. The Season 5. Final Mad Men episode. Episode 13, The Phantom. The last ball move episode for four weeks. Oh, yeah, until the 15th. Unless you're June willing 15th. to part with some uh, some coin. Yeah. Because we're going to be doing a series of movie reviews, oh, which is right. the news we want to talk up front. Yeah. If you want to know all about it, go to baldmove.com. Check out the post entitled A Modest Proposal. But the way it's working, me and Jim are taking some of the summer off season. We're going to watch some movies. Every week, you pick what movie you want us to see opening on Friday. We go to see it Thursday night, Friday morning. We come home. We review it. We have it in time for your rush hour drive home on Friday, and you can decide yeah, what you're going to see that night. What you're going to see that night based on or, our well, you expert decide, opinion. Yeah, whether or not to see the one we talk about. Right. Because uh, if we slam the one we talk about, you still don't know what you're seeing. Yeah. So it's same format. We, we talk a no-spoiler review for the first 10 or 15 minutes, and then we do mm-hmm. some music, and we talk a spoil, you know, some spoilers. So... We got yeah. you coming and going on that, and it's up to you. You want to send us to a good one, get our honest opinion. You want to send us to a super shitty one. If they send us to that Adam Sandler movie this week. Dude, I, I quit. Why did you have to <laughs> name one by name? Because they're going to send us to that. It's like I said on Facebook. That's like giving Lex Luthor's kryptonite. I hope they don't send us to Rock of <laughs> don't Ages. Don't throw us in that briar patch. <laughs> briar Fox, please don't. Uh, so that's enough pimping of that. Sure. Why don't we get right into the recap? Of this week's episode, the season finale. Phantom. Yeah. Uh, Don wakes up with a toothache. Very first scene, he's in the bathroom, obviously in pain, uh, sticking cotton balls in his mouth. Extols the medicinal value of Canadian Club. <laughs> Speaking that, of which, is that we, what he did? We, we ran out tonight, and I'm drinking yeah. peach mango Kool-Aid with vodka. Keeping I'm it classy. Drinking straight up Stoli. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a lot classier than vodka and Kool-Aid, I think. <laughs> I this think is so. very trailer park. Yeah, you should Not be drinking Not there's anything wrong with that. Sure. Uh, Don leaves for work. Megan <sighs> finds out that the agency that she was using is actually just trying to sell her acting classes. Mm. They were uh, a front for a, for a school. Which one of our, I guess, uh, one of our guys on Facebook that uh, follows us or is talking about that, I guess that's a uh, pretty well-known scam that goes on even today. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Um, Anthony Zumpano mentioned that. Um, so like Marie said, they take advantage of the hopeless people. Right. Do you think that was a slip of the tongue or do you think I could, the way her character is, I'd believe it either way, honestly. Uh, yeah, I'm leaning towards, she said it, she realized how mean it sounded and then she tried to fix Mm. it. Uh, but she actually did mean hopeless. Uh, I also thought this sets up one of the themes of this episode, uh, which is pain that just won't go away. Yeah. No matter how bad you try to ignore it mm-hmm. and pretend it doesn't exist. Yep. And I'm in quite denial. Like a toothache doesn't go away. Yo, oh, no, no. I mean, it might temporarily, but it will be back with I mean, I guess sometimes if you get into like flame Bruce gum Wells. because you got like a, you know, popcorn hole stuck on there and you floss it out, it's going to be sore for a couple of days. But you guys mm-hmm. actually, you know the difference between that and like genuine tooth pain. Oh. There's nothing quite like tooth pain. Uh, there really isn't. I had my wisdom teeth pulled because one of them was like totally just broken in half. Right. Uh, and I had to, and How'd it you started hurting. That, Jim? 
I don't know. That's a good <laughs> question. Years of chewing, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But it hurt like no other. Yeah. Tooth pain is the worst, man. You know, I wonder why there should be a rapper called Tooth Pain. <laughs> Pain. You want to talk a brother that's hard. Isn't that what T stands for in T-Pain? T-Pain. <laughs> <laughs> that's the auto-tune that's secret of that. He's just talking through, like, uh, a nitrous mask. Gotcha. That's how yeah. it, That's how you sound when you're singing with nitrous oxide in your... That it's like helium. Total sense. You sound just like T-Pain. Definitely. We cracked the code. Uh, all right, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth joins her husband for the morning commute and decides to sit somewhere else when Pete tries to find out where she'll be staying. Uh, she says that she's going somewhere. I can't remember where. To her uh, sister. Yeah. Going um, away to her sister. Out in the middle of nowhere. And he, Pete asks, oh, where is that? Mm-hmm. Like he's going to follow her out there. Yes. Creepy Pete. And then on the way, when when they're leaving to go sit in another car, Pete grabs a scarf that's hanging out of the bag like a creepster. No, I was super excited that we could <laughs> add luggage to the list of things he's raped on the show. <laughs> yeah, he does. Samsonite. <laughs> German au pair. Peggy. The list goes on. Yeah. I just, I can't get over how creepy Pete is now. Yeah, I, uh, Especially in this episode. It bothered me all episode long. Yeah. Because he's looking for something that he's not finding. He earned his beatdowns. Yeah, yeah, which I was super excited to Mm -hmm. see. We'll talk about that later. Uh, In the next scene, Harry inquires about the rumors that the company is buying more space in the building. Mm -hmm. And Don sees his brother Adam in the elevator. Um, uh, Obviously not his brother. Oh, sure. His brother's dead. But he sees a, an image of him. And that was the uh, probably the final of the season, uh, Dawn Walk, or Draper Walk. Yeah. And same hallway, same shot, only this time instead of the partners being with him or Megan being with him, it was his dead brother Adam being with him. Yeah. And Harry gets in a good joke about scurvy. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, can He's I got s- no window in his office. Speaking about uh, Harry, mm-hmm. when... Joan said, we gave you a choice of offices. He goes, well, he didn't want that office either. What the hell was he talking about? Pete's office, right? Because Pete traded out of his office because he didn't want it. Yeah, he, they just switched offices. Does Joan, oh, I bet Joan doesn't know that that was all put on by Roger. Yeah, ah. yeah. Uh, so Harry, unlike Ginsburg, can keep his secrets. <laughs> Surprisingly. Nice. Okay. Uh, then Ginsburg... We go over to the the Topaz pitch where Ginsburg is totally messing it up by using the word cheap. Guy doesn't like the word cheap. Uh, Don swoops in to put out the fire and schedules another meeting once they've had a chance to do some copy testing. Do you see? Did you see this person's? Uh, I mean, number one. So this is this person is psychotic. I think so. Yeah. But also, this isn't this fallout of not having a female on the staff anymore. Like, like, if, yeah, if yeah, Peggy was in mentions, that room mm-hmm. and pitched that, would they have said, had a problem with it being the word cheap? Uh, probably not as much because he does specifically bring that up. I thought, like, he says, I'm used to this agency uh, having a woman's opinion, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so now that Peggy's gone. One of the reasons they might, that, that they had the little competitive edge there that they traded away. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> although I thought it was funny, the one guy's excited about the two for one twice as fun. <laughs> And Ginsburg is like, seriously? <laughs> now that sounds cheap. That's cheap, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Ginsburg, classic. Ginsburg with his, his coffee-stained shirt. Oh, yeah. Like, this guy's not getting dressed bad. like a professional. He needs a dry cleaner. Um, what about Stan in that scene? I, I'm getting tired of this dynamic. I When we first saw that, I'm like, me too. I'm really getting tired of Ginsburg's chip on his shoulder vis-a-vis Don. It feels like that's been treading water for half a season now. It, and something needs to happen. You know? 
Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I thought I thought they buried the hatchet when Don, you know, really put over his idea for Jaguar. Yeah. And like this scene that came out of nowhere. It's like, why are they fighting again? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm certain they're setting something up for season six. Okay. Uh, they they have to be. We'll jump ahead in the future, and there will be some kind of fallout with them. So this isn't going to be a, a Rick, Laurie, Shane situation, you're saying? I highly doubt it. <laughs> the show doesn't really pull that. Right. Uh, Beth calls Pete and asks him to meet at Hotel Pennsylvania, which is a, a very historic uh, hotel in New York City. Can, uh, can we learn something important, there. though. What do we learn? Trudy has a sister whose name is Judy. Trudy and Judy? What the fuck was her parents thinking? Uh, I've heard worse. This guy runs Clearasil. He's not a fucking moron, but he named his daughters Trudy and Judy. Apparently. I don't know. I didn't pick that up. Where where are you hearing that? That's what Beth name she used. She's like, it's your... It's, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and so yeah. the fact that he recognized that name... No, he used to say, your wife's sister's on the phone, and he picked it up and said Trudy? Or he said Judy? Judy? Yeah. yeah. That's okay. uh. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Next scene. Peggy's assigned the Virginia Slims uh, product as her first campaign at the new firm. Uh, interesting there because they don't actually mention that it's Virginia Slims, but they do mention it's a cigarette for women. And it's later on, they mention it. Yeah, she's going to Virginia. Right. Uh, sly. I like that. Uh, and a as soon as I was, I was like, that's a perfect perfect win for peggy because their famous oh, yeah. slogan is you come a long way baby and that is the story of peggy yeah definitely. That's, that's her story in a, in a single soundbite mm-hmm. uh did you enjoy and also that's a good way to kind of end uh peggy's story this season is with her obvious uh upward slope in her yeah. career because we know what virginia slims does it right. goes on to become a huge national brand mm-hmm. uh so we know what peggy's gonna do for that uh, what do you think about Peggy busting balls in the beginning of the scene? Uh, whose balls was she busting? Some random copywriters. There's two guys. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Just, She was just that's right. Fifteen, scolding. Yeah. 15 Ajaxes in this 125 <laughs> word thing. That's too many Ajaxes. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I don't know that I could fit that many in there. Right. Uh, Thank God we don't have to follow that for a whole season. It'd be worse than the beans. Yeah. Nothing more boring than beans and scouring powder. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Maybe we'll get some more Miracle Whip. Or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Miracle Whip. It was the... Cool Whip. Cool Whip, yeah. Cool Whip. Miracle Whip's the mayonnaise. Uh, Joan reports the quarterly business results, and the board decides to table the discussion of the new office space. And then Pete leaves in a hurry. Yeah, gee, you wonder where he's going to. Yeah. He's got a nooner. Uh, so there's this look that Joan gives Lane's empty chair right before she turns on the lane spirit sure, sure. Uh, and tries to become the voice of reason in regards to that, that matter. Uh, that's, that's her phantom this episode, oh, right? Clearly that's okay. a phantom reference. Yeah. And she later approaches, um, Don and says how much she thinks it's her fault, which I predicted a while back. I mm-hmm. mean, she didn't know about the thing, um, with the check and shrugging off his advances. I was like, yeah, right. uh, that's what's going to happen with Joan. She's going to think it's her fault. Right. Uh, so I'll, I'll shine my own apple there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought it was, I thought it was funny that. I'm certainly going to shine it for you. No, don't. (laughs) Uh, when Joan, or I'm sorry, when Pete takes off, he's like, Don, I give you my proxy vote. And Don's like, you could do that. 
because mm-hmm. Don doesn't want to be there either. He would be sitting out every meeting. I'm something about shinier apple, like <sighs> rubbing it on my shirt. Yeah, when you when you, it's like the <laughs> thing you do with your Sounds knuckles on your sexy, chest. Oh, get out of here! Pretty sexy for the nine o'clock on a Tuesday night. <laughs> All right. Um, Save that shit for Friday. Moving on. Pete shows up at Beth's hotel room and explains that she's going to have electroshock therapy. Popular procedure in the 60s? Uh, I guess. I've heard a lot about it. I mean, wasn't that... Mm-hmm. That's what the uh, old boy went through in A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Russell Crowe. Yeah. Really? He literally did that for the role. I uh, Did he? Method actor, yeah. No, I don't think so. No, he didn't. Um, but yeah, so... What was that guy's name? Wasn't it Edward? I don't know. All I can think of is Edward Nigma. <laughs> no, Jesus. No, he's not the Riddler. No, he's not the Riddler. <laughs> oh, God. He had that theory. Uh, Nash. Yeah. Steve, Steve Nash. Nash. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway. Right, moving on. Yeah. Uh, so is that all? Yeah, he's going to do Electroshock and mm-hmm. Pete's pathetic. I think we got that scene. All right. Yeah. Pete's pathetic. Mm-hmm. Summed up. Uh, Megan and her friend are chatting about the acting roles. She gets a call and no one's on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after who, her, so, so did you yeah. have any theories about who this was? No, I didn't know. The first time I thought I saw it, I thought, oh, wouldn't yeah. it be awesome if it was Glenn? It, yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> That's what I was like, oh, God, it's Glenn. She's going to have to give him some hair. He's notching up another <laughs> Draper girl. It's this thing all over Gotta again. catch them all. Uh, but after her mother leaves, Megan's friend asks her to get an audition with one of Don's clients. Yep. Uh, and interesting here, she says, I'm your eternal slave, when she agrees to it. Kinky. That Well, that theme kind of runs through this episode, especially with Megan. Mm. Uh, with Megan and Don's relationship. Because uh, part of that phantom that Don has this episode, or this entire season, with his relationship with Megan, is that he's wanting to hold on to her. Oh, sure. And he knows that if she succeeds, there's a big possibility that she's going to leave. Well, not only that, but, you know, there's a lot of... It, it, one of the things that keeps Megan interesting to him is mm-hmm. the kind of struggle and the fact that she doesn't cave in. And she's got this, you know, fierce talent and kind of purity. Yeah. This is conviction. Uh, so if Megan's friend would be Megan's eternal slave for her help, what does that make Megan to Don? Yeah. So if he's got her as this eternal slave... That is going to switch on his boredom sensor. Mm-hmm. And as we see at the end of the episode, that's probably going to go bad places. Yeah, we'll see. Also, is a little bit on the nose about her friend gushing over how supportive and elegant her mother was, which I didn't think she came yeah. across as that supportive in that exchange. Not uh, really. But I love how she pronounced atheist. Atheist. My meal is atheist. Yeah. I love it. It's French. French-Canadian. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're serious about their atheism, atis- isn't there? <laughs> Apparently. Uh, that was atism. more Scottish. The atheism. Uh-huh. Uh, um, so Pete tries to convince Beth not to get the treatment and offers to take her to L.A. in this, give her this really on, creepy, like, clingy... The full-on octopus he's giving yeah. her. Yeah. This scene really bothered me. Terror from the deep. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pete is labeling himself. Yeah. He just wants to control you. He's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what, Pete? Now, when he said something's for weak people, was he talking about suicide or yeah. therapy? Yeah, suicide. Okay, because a lot of people took that as therapy, oh. and and I I didn't get that the first two times I watched it and was compiling feedback. I didn't have time to go back and read it again, but I just wanted to see. Uh, but obviously, yeah, and that's it's it's calling to his um, 
previous relationship with Lane, which mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting that I was watching the Inside Mad Men thing that they have on AMC.com. Yeah. And Wiener was talking about how he wanted to portray how people dealt with suicide in the 60s realistically and that people just don't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, other than Joan, no and, – and Roger, I guess, confesses at, towards the end too. But nobody – the partners don't talk about it. It's not mentioned in the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hush-hush. And I thought that was you know, pretty spot on. Yeah, definitely. Now, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Uh he, she says to Pete that, you know, one of the things that they're bonded over is they have the same problem. And he's like, well, yeah. we're only sad because we're apart. And she goes, oh, I was wrong. What do you <laughs> think she th- – I mean, clearly he thought that the problem they both had is they're sad. What do you think that she thought their same problem was? Well, <clears throat> my read of Pete is he's looking for something that he doesn't understand. He's he's searching for something that uh, something, but he's not even sure what he's searching for. Well, that's I mean the, he so much as says so yes. in the scene later on in the hospital. Uh-huh. But what does she mean? What does she think her problem is that she shares with Pete? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I think that might be her problem as well. But I don't know that Pete has realized it in this scene yet. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that that's his problem as well. That there's something fundamentally broken about them. Um, because the thing maybe, is, or they just don't understand themselves. Well Beth enough. has legitimate reasons to be unhappy. Her husband is a cheating whore. Yeah, um, and treats her obviously awful if he sends her to the uh, br- brain scrambler every time she has an affair with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, is Pete? But but Pete doesn't really have a reason to be upset. Yeah. All these choices. The, the only thing you can kind of point to that's a, the disappointment is that maybe he married Trudy instead of Peggy way back when. But I, it's not clear to me that Peggy would have married Pete anyway. Yeah, or that they were even right for each other. I mean, I mean that's just another you know King Pete impulse, right? Uh, certainly, I think Pete wanted everything at the time, and by wanting everything, he'll end up with nothing. <laughs> hmm. You know, he's gonna de- he's gonna destroy everything that he does get. Right. Uh, looking for that something that he's right. missing. Right. Well, there's clearly him going along the Don Draper path, only a misshapen, yeah. more rapey version of it. You know, especially it's a, they really, you know, hit some stuff on the nose in this episode. For example, when they're mm-hmm. looking out over the office space, exactly. he's like, hey, Don, I'm going to have your view. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And we've seen that arc all, all season, oh, yeah. all series. Oh, yeah. Him just following in Don's footsteps. Sure. Uh, so Don gets home and Megan asks him to get her an audition for the Butler Shoes commercial, stealing her friend's part, uh, right out from under her. Don says no, and Megan takes a weepy bath. Uh, <laughs> Roger also calls, pretending to be Emil, and invites Marie to meet him at a hotel. There's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, Megan, this is the first nakedly slimy thing we've seen her do. Steal her friend's part or idea i guess and isn't it funny how this is what she accused advertising people it's like you guys don't laugh you don't smile you're so cynical backstabbing and when she was in she was this innocent dove in the advertising world but she's turned into this kind of vicious talk behind her friend's back even even kind of the innocence in the earlier scene with her friend emily uh that was a fellow actor they're turning on i forget what that wrote the redhead's name 
but they're kind of yeah. like savaging her behind her back and making fun of her, you know, failing yeah. to get the part and the fact yeah, with the dark shadows thing after she got fired. Right. So that's kind of been a real, her path is, is taken her to this weird inverted madman world. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, causing her some problems now too. What do you think? I don't know what I think about. What do you think about her opinion about getting this advertising versus Don's? Well, I thought you wanted to be an artist speech. Um, I felt like Don was right here. She doesn't really, uh, she obviously doesn't need the money, but she doesn't want to be, um, uh, just Don's project. She wants to be discovered. Like he said, uh, she wants to be more than just a working actress. Yeah. I think she wants to be something special. But, but don't, I mean, it's not the money so much as she said, you know, it's, I, this will get me into the union, the actors sure. guild, this will get me exposure. I mean, it's like, say that I had, that I, I made a deal with a, a rich chic mm-hmm. and, and he's giving me $50 million a year, but I still want to be, I want to be a CIO of a company. Sure. You know, and I've never really put in my, my. I, my, I haven't started on the ground floor. Who's going to hire me as mm-hmm. a CIO without taking that first tech support job? Right? Sure, it's, it's I can't first step. Yeah, it's like it's like in, in like if the sheik when I went to him like I wanted to I want you to help me get this tech support job. He's like, but you want to be the CIO, and I'm uh-huh. like, no, sheik. I'm, I'm stroking his chest. I'm like, no, sheik. I, I need you to help me because that's the. I mean, I, I guess I hope you get paid extra for that. <laughs> oh sure, it's yeah, the yeah. chest stroking comes extra. Yeah. That's the girlfriend experience I like to give my clients. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I mean, that to me, I that's do, a very yeah. patronizing, and I do kind of think that's Don's way of trying to keep Megan under her, his thumb without actually keeping her under the thumb. Certainly. And as soon as he tells her all this, his yeah. tooth acts up. Right. He goes, oh, my tooth. Yeah. <laughs> it's killing me. It's my uh, Don impression. Yeah. <laughs> Impersonation. Nice. Uh yeah, so obviously this this is what he's doing here. He's trying to keep her under his thumb, like you said. Uh-huh. Uh that that whole slave thing, he doesn't want to let her go. On the other hand, she is asking a lot, as he says, is like, look, this isn't I can't just drop your name on a stack of resumes. You show sure. up to the rehearsal. Yeah. Imagine's gonna be there, Pete's gonna be there, Harry's gonna be there. They know I mean, they're not stupid. You did a zooba zooba zoo number in front of them. They'll remember who you are. Yeah, definitely. So that's asking a lot of Don. Too. And she worked there for God's sake. Yeah, <laughs> she. They're gonna know, right? Yeah. So I mean, I don't blame either of them, but I see both of their points for sure. Uh, what do you think of Rogers Gambit here? <laughs> it was hilarious. Yes, I like when he he pretends to be a meal. Uh huh. Classic, classic uh-huh. Roger. Yep, yep. I love it. What's a regi- now, why wouldn't what's a vagina? Uh, a vagina. <laughs> it's a fancy French vagina. So obviously he couldn't do this to Marie because Marie would immediately know this is not a meal. Like this well, is not my father. If she'd have picked up, I think he'd have been like you know he just would have breathed into the phone like it, he no, had been. Wait a second. Oh, he couldn't do this to Megan. You to said Megan. Marie. Did, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah Megan. Okay. Yeah, sure. That's who I meant. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah. So once Don picks up the phone, finally he's got someone who he right. can con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. No, I got, I got you. <laughs> Thank. It it's awesome. so funny in the days what you could get away with in the days before Star Six Nine. Yeah. And caller yeah. ID. There's that, no way to trace that you back. plot. Can't happen nowadays. Nope. So. Like cell phone. Oh, it's Roger. Right. Hello, is Marie there? All right. <laughs> Roger, what the fuck? Why is a meal over at your house? (laughs) 
and he's is still he taking LSD? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so next scene, Don sees his brother again as he arrives at the office, and this is the 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 slow walk, the Don Draper walk that we're used to. Oh right, I jumped the jar- shark. Yeah, on you that. did. It's fine. Uh, Jones sits down with him in his office to talk about the hundred and seventy five thousand dollar payment from Lane's life insurance policy. Death benefit. And Don tells her to cut his widow a $50,000 check. That's pretty lame. I thought so, too. I thought they were going, you know, but on the other hand, that's like well, this a is half a, million dollars. Uh, it's a lot of money. 50000 mm-hmm. is no joke. But th- this is what she's talking about later when, when Don comes to her house to give her the 50000 right? She's like, well, that's there's a lot more. I don't think uh, she knew just about 50, this, would she? You don't think so? I just know. I don't know. All those affairs that he was getting in order, those errands that he was completing, I was wondering if maybe that was, she found those, he was checking his life insurance stuff. I don't know. I don't, that's, that's, that's a good point. But, uh. I'm not sure. Right. What did you think about her analysis of, I could have given him what he wanted? Do you think that's what Lane really wanted? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think he did. Jones' want it. tits are literally life saving. No, I I don't know that that would have made him happy, or that that would have been a relationship, really. But uh-huh. of course, he he did. I mean, it showed on the screen. He definitely wanted it. He kissed her for God's sake. Well, yeah, but that's before things really broke bad. I mean, sure. on that day, if she just said, "Come on, Lane, let's go get a let's let's go get an afternoon delight," you think he'd still oh, have hung yeah. himself that weekend? He's all over it. Oh, oh, would he hung himself? Yes. He's got a vicious streak. He tried to kill himself in his wife's gift. He did. <laughs> That'd be he the did. trifecta. He kills himself in a Jaguar, or he hangs himself in the office right after having sex with Joan. Mm. That would destroy that her. Would be. Yeah. <laughs> but it made Roger so happy. Well, she, she's not one to wallow, so maybe it wouldn't have. Uh, maybe. maybe. She would have been just fine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Hmm. Moving on. What do you think about the dentist in the steeple of the Chrysler building? That's pretty freaking awesome, right? That's uh, swank. Yeah. It's a swank office. That is very swank. You wonder, as good as it gets. You wonder how Joan could afford something like that. Uh, well, she's 5% partner. Now. And there's money coming she in. Acted left like, right. She acted like this, her and this dentist are old buddies. Ah. Old buddy. <laughs> they go way back. I wasn't, oh, wow, I wasn't actually implying that she traded sex for dentistry, but I oh. guess it sounded like I did. <laughs> it did. It was a wink, not a leer, Jim. You turned it into a leer, damn it. Well, she turned it into a leer herself. All right. With her escapades with the Jaguar guy. All right. Uh, Megan sleeps until noon because she's sad. And Marie tells her to stop feeling sorry for herself and to just give up. Yeah, you're chasing a phantom. Just be happy with what you've got here. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, not not a very supportive thing for a mother to say. I mean, she, like, slaps Megan in the face two or three times when Megan finally mm-hmm. tries to feebly strike back. Yeah. She... She calls her a bitch. Yeah. You're a grateful little bitch. Thank God I'm not that involved in my children's lives. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Reminded yeah. me of, like, when Luke burnt Darth Vader's shoulder armor. Like, he's just playing around, and then... Rawr, then he cut off his arm. Nice. Threw him off a chasm. That's what Marie just did. Yeah, I mean, Marie's not a great mom. I don't know if she's Darth Vader, but she's not a great mom. Darth Vader was not a great mom either. He was not. Uh, Don gives Lane's widow the $50,000 check, which they eventually have to repay her anyway, uh, but he does it early. And she apparently blames SCDP for Lane's death. She basically says as much. She is, 
but it was also Lane's own doing. No, yeah. I mean, they didn't twist his arm to doing yeah. that kind of stuff, but what, I mean... <sighs> and these guys didn't even know. It's not like Lane told them, no. look, I'm running out of money here. I'm on the verge right. of financial collapse. Can I please borrow some? But she blamed them, like, to give a man like that ambition. Yeah. I guess what's interesting is that... What so, did she mean by that? Well, because Lane was kind of this middle manager guy yeah. who, like, you know, they mentioned, like, he's just so reliable. He's that not was built defining. for greatness. So when they tapped him, and it wasn't because... I mean, these guys didn't like Lane. Mm-hmm. They needed Lane. Yeah. And they used Lane. And then they were more than happy to discard Lane after they were done, from Pete even to Don. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, he killed himself, and they all feel bad about it. So, on the one hand, I feel like she's a little off her mark for the reasons you mentioned. But on the other hand, more than she knows, these guys are responsible for Certainly. his death. Yeah. I think that's a pretty condescending attitude to have towards one's husband, but... <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, she also says that she's not one to wallow. The English are not right. ones to wallow. And then she pulls out the, you had no right to fill a man with like that with ambition no no that was obviously wallowing and that's where like that's my ace because i had the feeling that miss you know miss price was not the super supportive person that people made her out to be Mm -hmm. and i exhibit this reaction as you know a number one she did seem pretty spiteful she did seem like she looked down on her husband yeah yeah. So, right. but on the other hand, people, I mean, she could have been right smack in the middle of the anger phase of grief and yeah. what are you going to do? How how long has passed between these two episodes? I don't know. Last one and this one. We I had don't some, know what the time frame is here. Uh one of our listeners um did which I'm going to go into uh did some pretty scholarly solid research into the timeline. Oh, okay. uh Cynthia Brooke uh did all that. Nice. And so she determined it was the end of January. I did. Did we have anything that kind of? I, I guess I wasn't really paying attention. Do we have anything that kind of anchored it to the time? I didn't see anything that marked it. I'm sure there's um, a reference somewhere right. that I probably missed. Right, there usually is. Well, uh, we know they're planning for building a pool, and and Trudy yeah. said as soon as the rain stops. Oh, so it's spring. so probably late winter, early spring. Wow, so that jumped ahead quite a bit. Uh, a, couple a couple months, months yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense that it'd take that long to, you know, the other clue is the uh, the, the insurance benefit. That that takes yeah. some time, especially a corporate one, would take some time to pay out. Surely. So. Okay. Um, Pete, uh, speaking of the pool, he comes home to his wife who has plans for the pool, and he immediately envisions his daughter drowning in it. <laughs> Another death reference in this season. Someone's going to die, Jim. <laughs> Someone's going to die this season? Oh, God. I hope it's not Lane. Right. Uh, yeah, so dark places for Pete. He's, mm-hmm. he, thinks, he sees this picture of a nice sunny mm-hmm. pool, his, his beautiful backyard. Right. And then immediately pictures his daughter drowning in it. All this doom and gloom, I'm tired of it. Ridiculous. Uh, by the way, add value to the property. I don't know if that was true back in the 60s or that was the sales pitch, but, man, no. Pools don't add any value. In fact, a lot of times they detract. Really? Yeah. People don't want to maintain them? It's a pain in the ass, and yeah. it's a, it's it's expensive on insurance. It's a liability because kids do drown in pools. So yeah. I'll tell you, you can't buy a house in California without a pool. Yeah. Can't be done. Same thing in, like, Phoenix. If you ever fly. <laughs> I don't blame them. You fly, you fly over Phoenix and just see everybody's got fucking pools in their backyard. Because huh. that's the only water in Phoenix. <laughs> 
<laughs> they save nothing they for agriculture. Out, yeah, they drink out of those things. <laughs> they grow hydroponic corn in there. <laughs> oh, God. Our Arizona listeners are going to kill us. Um, all right, next scene. Marie finds out that Roger was less than honest Remember, about his intentions. That reminds what? me, though, last... Cause God, we were so amateur hour. We still are. We're, we're amateur day at this point not amateur hour what are you talking about when we were we're trying to drive traffic from breaking bad podcast last year by starting shit between new mexico and arizona because <laughs> <laughs> we used to track like by state who was listening more uh, <laughs> uh yeah, blast from the past those listeners. days uh but fuck those washington guys yeah <laughs> fucking fucking seattleites <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Marie finds out that Roger was less than honest about his intentions at the hotel, but she doesn't mind. He invites her to take LSD with him, but she refuses. I kind of surprised me. Did it? Yeah. You thought Marie, free spirit, she's going to go for yeah, this? Yeah, because I think there's a lot less stigma to LSD back in the 60s than ours now. That's probably true. I mean, it was kind of seen as maybe a cutting-edge therapeutic tool and a hip thing to do. I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, when... Roger said, you know, you're calm but adventurous. Well, what do you make of her statement about not not making her take care of him? I think she said, I don't, don't, she, not just that, she said, don't ask me for anything. Yeah. So I think she wants, well, maybe she's got Roger figured out as a man child and she's already got one. Yeah. She's already got one. And uh, also... What she said about Megan obviously applies to Meal about having the artist temperament but not being an artist. Definitely. That applies to Meal. I kind of think that applies to Roger. He was born on third base yeah. and he's got this swinging dick ego like he's this executive, but he doesn't really have it. You and know maybe what I mean? he does need to take LSD again because he acknowledged that fact before oh he acknowledged I, that he's been given every, everything he has on the other hand if you're having to take a drug to <laughs> you know what i'm to saying cope with his like, reality as he says right or like the, the keep a maintenance appreciation for the world yeah and connected with other people that seems kind of fucked up sure sure but what are you uh, gonna do yeah so so is that what you think she meant she just taking lsd is is the way to kind of keep him uh keep him going i just think she doesn't want any part she just you know that's that's not uh, interested in another man child yeah that dries the panties out fast <laughs> I bet. You know, her her like this this another man needing something from her yeah or any any person i mean obviously she has no patience for anyone wanting any kind of emotional support even and her own daughter that's what i'm saying yeah. right and yeah. we've talked about her having i mean it's 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 uh, hinted very strong that she has a drinking problem oh easily and it's now rubbing off on megan yeah Great. right right wonderful yep that's what don needs yeah uh speaking of don he comes home and megan is drunk and useless uh uh-huh. feeling useless anyway she's uh no, she's got state. one use uh yeah yeah she says that that's to all get she's good for <laughs> she's gonna getting draped wow all right uh when marie comes back she tells don that megan is a failed artist and he should take advantage of that and get the life he wants yeah and which man that seems like it was accurate that he nurse with his defeat and you'll have the life you desire and don realizes that and don i think shuts up when she says that he also realized right. that's what he does i mean megan yes. uh, uh he's too good of a guy Mm-hmm. If you can say that about Don Draper, to agree with her, but that's what he does want 
this, you know, perfect little housewife that's always available for him, always waiting for him, has food on the table, sexually available, catering his yeah. needs. And now I don't know if him being confronted with this from Marie is actually going to change right. anything about Don right. or if it's just going to make him realize, yes, that's what I want. It's interesting because I don't think it's what he needs, but it's what he wants because yeah. obviously, you know, when Megan has been stronger and put him in his place, that's he's responded well to that. Yeah. And even last episode, there was that that moment where she just basically insisted on, look, you're going to you're going to have dinner with your daughter. Mm-hmm. And well, I got work to do. It's like, yes, we all do. But still, you're going to do this. I and mean, she's that stuff done that time and time again. Really good for, for Don slash Dick. Uh-huh. So. So maybe that's what he not needs. Not Don's Dick. Don <laughs> slash sure. Dick. Okay. Uh, of course, Megan's mother is a terrible person. Uh, she's, she calls her daughter a failed artist. But that, she might be accurate. If, even if she's right, she told her daughter that. She... She said, yeah. you'll never be what you want to be, so give up. I don't know how to feel about that, because on the one hand, that's awful. But on the other hand, if you don't do that, you've got your kids on American Idol getting torn apart by Simon Cowell. If that's what they love to do, let them do it. No. Why? If you're terrible at singing and your tr- and your career your career aspiration is to be Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. someone needs to take you aside and say it's not going to happen. How How does that... I don't know. I mean, reduce your love for singing, your desire to have a career in singing. It doesn't, right? No, it doesn't. But well, no, it doesn't. It can't reduce your love for singing, but you got to give up the dream of having a career. Do you? There's only so many. When you've got Don supporting you, do you? If you don't need the money, well, she so just want to continue. She could have try. a sham career where she just fucks around and does demo reels and goes to the classes and stuff like that and never makes it and does shitty commercials where mm-hmm. he's got direct influence. Sure, yeah, but I don't. I mean, you're saying that just ends in unhappiness. Well, if you're cipher from the Matrix and you can go plugged in and forget <laughs> the fact that this is all a sham and yeah. and and you, everyone this is is engaged as elaborate deception, but there that's goes to the very core of philosophical philosophical question of the matrix yeah would you rather have a genuine life of accomplishment however modest or you know but it's hard one or would you rather have a you know spectacular fantasy life it's not real and everyone in your life actively tries to deceive you to keep you believing that yeah whoa there's no deception in this family this this podcast went a little keanu on us yeah it did sad keanu uh so this this obviously here is the impetus for Don getting Megan the audition. I'm talking about what what Marie says to him. Uh I don't know that's true. I think the the him watching the reel of Megan is the impetus for him getting her that shot. Well, why did he watch the reel? Several reasons. The conversation he had with Marie, the conversation he's about to have with Peggy. Uh, the vision he had of Ad, I think, uh, all this stuff came together to, That's and good then point. the, the final, that was a straw that broke the camel's back when he's feeling kind of this modeling, um, you know, nostalgia. And obviously that mm-hmm. was such a callback to the carousel episode back from season one where he was watching old family photos and him yeah. and Betty in happier times. Yeah. Um, I think that was him then deciding to make. And and see you could de- we could debate this for a long time. 
what did what did Don this why did Don make the decision that he did? Are we are we even ready to talk about that? I think we should wait for that to be further in the cast. Well, it's all about the tooth pain, right? Okay. I mean, the tooth pain comes back here once again. He goes to pick up the the sandal or whatever mm-hmm. it is on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and this to me is is Don's phantom coming back again, where he he knows Marie's right, and his tooth starts acting up as soon as someone points that out to him. Yeah, but also how much of this is his fear of supporting someone and then they succeed and then they leave you? Because he pointed yeah. that out. That's what that's what happens when you help someone. Certainly, yeah. So I'm well. Those those two. I don't know are this this final yeah. act of Don getting her that job. Is that an act of supreme selflessness? Uh-huh. Where he's like, well, I'm going to help her, and then she's going. I'm going to, you know, it, it's it's going to prey in my fear that she's going to then leave me. Mm-hmm. Or was it an act of supreme selfishness where he's like, well, I'm going to give in to what she wants and she's going to become another Betty where I'm now her master and she owes everything to me. And Well, it comes down to do you think in the scene where Don's watching the tape, he feels that she has the talent I don't that no one's know. seeing or he feels that she doesn't have talent? I think that there's evidence for both. I think that... You know, I don't know whether he's a really appreciating her talents as an actress. I don't know whether he's just overcoming by how much he realizes he loves her and wants her to be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since the whole fucking scene is just wordless and us watching Don watch this thing, John which is, Hamm, is the brilliance. Yeah, of yeah. I if mean, he we were could, narrating and saying, and so I was thinking about her right, sadness. Right. Have a pro con list that he's working on. He's just watching <laughs> yeah. there. Um, That's what I, gets one of our listeners actually had the theory uh, that uh, this was Don realizing what a good actress yeah. that she was. And as she's make, looking sad and looking happy and looking coquettish, that he was like, shit, this is the stuff that uh, she's been using on me all along. So this was a, a super cynical act. See, I'm going to give you what I want and then gotcha. I'm going to walk away into yeah. the shadows and start my old – Don Draper shit up again. And we've wondered about that, too, in the past. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. is this an act for Megan? Right. Is that her was one of the early, love for Don real? One of the leading early season theories was this yeah. when it kept on mentions actress, actress. We thought that was going to be... It turns out it didn't play out quite that way, but maybe there are some undertones of that. My... Oh, well, let's save it. Okay. Let's save it for that actual scene. Um, Don goes to the, to the dentist to have his tooth pulled. When they put him on the gas, he sees his brother who tells him that the tooth is not what's rotten. It's Don. Don's rotten. Nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, blood on the mouth. Oh, that? yeah. I mean, that's something we mentioned right away when we first watched the episode. Yeah. It's like he literally... No, blood on the And this goes on to the Beauty and the Beast theme. Yeah, which we have a fantastic email about. So uh-huh. save all that for the oh, okay. feedback section. All right. Right? Yeah, I guess. Okay. I think we should do that. Uh, Pete goes to visit Beth in the hospital after her operation, but she doesn't remember him. Surprise, surprise. Uh-huh. Uh, he tells her a story about his friend who got involved with another man's wife. Uh, the nurse who walks him in says, you really do have the same eyes. The windows of the soul, Jim. Yeah. And this takes me back to when they were laying on the floor talking about this pictures of Earth from space uh, and what they saw in those. Uh, they are both very sad. Yes. Both very, very sad people. Yes. Uh, I was just thinking, thank God they don't have the same nose, right? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah, when we were watching that, I just couldn't get over how, I don't know whether it was a trick of the light. Mm-hmm. 
But he, Vincent Carthizer's nose looked like a superstructure. <laughs> it was massive. It was enormous. And I felt like during the scene it was growing. I thought we yeah. were having a Pinocchio moment. Like I feel like there was it was a prosthetic nose that Matthew <laughs> Weiner had like some kind of like pneumatic ball off scene, and every uh, second he's just like filling with air. This is this is what I'm going for. No, it's, it's Vince. Vince, it's cool. <laughs> and the pressure is building on Vince's nose. Can, can you be a little bit sadder? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's what was happening. Wow, that's messed up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. You're the observer. You notice things in movies. The noticer. The noticer, yeah. Uh, we, won't, we won't talk anymore about The Matrix, because you'll ruin people's lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the nose was huge. Uh, Pete says... Pete, obviously, here is looking for something. He says as much. He says he's hoping that all the aging was worth something, that he knows more than the younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That his life is more than a temporary bandage on a permanent wound. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what he did realize. Yeah, yeah. That he's like, you know, that I was going to have this adventure and I could go back and that would be, you know, I'd prove it to myself that I this is all worth something. But then he realized my old life is not right in any either. Yeah, so all he doesn't my... know what he wants. Yeah, well, he's got a he's permanent lost. wound. What the question is, I guess, what is that permanent wound? Is it yeah. the rejection of Peggy? Is it something deeper mm. in his childhood? Is it his mommy and daddy being dead? I mean, the man's That's trouble. Good question. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't feel like they explained it. No, I uh, think it's. I think it's more of a setup than an explanation of Pete's Definitely problem. something I want to see explored in next season. Yeah, and I have a feeling you will. Like, we need to really get down to the bedrock of Pete Campbell next season is what yeah. I want to see. Oof, I don't know if I can handle that. That is some <laughs> nasty bedrock. Yeah. It's got rotten like a tooth. Fungus needs down to be there. pulled. Yeah. Needs to be canaled. Uh, so you were saying during this scene, you were wondering if the girl actually didn't recognize him, if Beth didn't recognize him, or Shh. if she was playing uh, a part there. Shh. No? Whether she was just ignoring, like, I, I don't, what are you saying? What do you think? Was she? Did she did genuinely she, not recognize him? Had the treatment worked? Uh, well, I guess worked I as much think as by the end of the season, treatment. Came. Yeah, she has to. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, that's what I picked up. Because I don't think she, she could have. I don't think she could have made it through Pete's speech without batting an eyelash if she didn't genuinely, truly not recognize Pete. Yeah. Yeah, I so. agree. All right, let's move on. Then Don sees Peggy in the theater where they're both sorting out their problems. They're both shaking off the cobwebs. Mm-hmm. He walks up and says, so you're the row 13 handjob girl. <laughs> I heard about you. There's a bathroom stall with your name yeah, all over it. Is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I have to pay extra for that seat. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, so who is it? I think Peggy says this. That's what happens when you help someone, they succeed and move on. Oh, Don said Does, that. Don says that, yeah. So right. he's obviously and worried she's about She's like, well, isn't that what you want? And he says, well, I'm proud of you. I just didn't know that you'd succeed without me. Yeah. Uh, some potential plot may be being set up here. I don't know if I agree, but enough of our listeners did that I'll have to mention it. When she mentions the tobacco and he's like, God, I miss that easy money. Yeah. Is this setting up a potential play to steal the client? Ooh. Think I about that know. because there's some feedback. When we get to it, just kind of let that ruminate and germinate. Okay. All right. right. Will do. 
uh, did you have anything more to say about that? Just scene? at the end when I don't know the thing is, this was like the first meeting of them as friends, no longer mentor employee. Yeah. And she was at the end like, you know, we should get that. We should all get together. We should do this more often. And he was in total like, right, you know, trip right mode. The whole right, right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't – I wonder if this – this isn't the beginning of a friendship and a friendly relation. I wonder if this is the beginning of Don going into emotional distance mode. Mm, could because be. he switched it off with Peggy and went super detached. At the end mm-hmm. of Megan's scene, he, he switched off away. and literally you know, detached and went to go numb himself with the old-fashioned. So I, I yeah. don't – yeah, I don't – I kind of got a really weird, dark vibe off the end of that scene. Hmm. Just the way she's trying to still engage him as the movie starts. Maybe he just hates a person talking during the movie. (laughs) Maybe he does. Did you you see the lights? Did you not hear the sound? Did you (laughs) miss the fact that... The trailers are rolling. Yeah, right. Uh, On Pete's commute, Harold invites him to go out and cause trouble. Harold. Howard? Howard, isn't it? It might be Howard. Maybe uh, Howard slash Harold invites Maybe him I'm to getting go. Howard Johnson confused. He might be. Uh, go out and cause trouble. Pete tells him he's a terrible person for erasing Beth's brain. And Howard slash Harold wrestles him <laughs> to the ground and delivers a beating. No, Pete attacked him. I thought so on the first uh, viewing, too. But he all he said is just, oh, it's you? Yeah, no, Pete comes rushing in, but yeah, Harold, yeah, yeah. Harold Howard grabs him and right. slams him to the ground and beats his right. face in. I just think it's funny because I actually made a note. At 52 minutes, 15 seconds, Pete got his ass kicked. At 52 minutes, Time 56 codes. seconds, he got kicked his ass again. Yeah. Yeah, the security guard uh, beats his ass and then throws him off the train. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Awesome scene. I wanted to see this so badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a little preview of it with Lane's fight. And the other thing is I thought he looked very Steve Buscemi here, especially like um, really? circa uh, – the Fargo, oh, Fargo okay. where he's got his blood. He's, he's holding uh, like the towel to his bleeding neck. He's and he's like, are we face. square? I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, are you a member of the howdy duty army? I mean, it just, <laughs> he really, yeah. I noticed a lot of things. I noticed these enormous schnoz and his Steve was like grimaces here. Apparently. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about the scene. I just thought it was awesome to get, uh, Pete's ass beat twice. Also like how anytime Pete acts in a totally socially inappropriate manner and then gets what's coming to him his retort is always you can't do that <laughs> well don't uh, if you don't want none don't start none yeah that's what my mom always said definitely uh Pete my mama home. was will smith from <laughs> <Mid-Bad> <laughs> bad boys too or something <laughs> uh when Pete gets home his wife sees the state he's in wait 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 you skipped over something important what did i skip fucking badass breaking bad preview oh okay <laughs> I was going to say, that's the next scene. Saul tried to flex on Walt, and Walt flexed right yeah. back on him. Yeah, we're done here. We're not done until I we're say we're done. Until I say we're done. That's going to be awesome. God, I can't wait for that show. 30, what, 31 days left? Yeah. Yeah, we got a countdown timer on we our do. website now. We do. Baldmove.com. Yeah. We need uh, to know how many seconds to go. We do. <laughs> um, so Pete gets home. His wife sees the state he's in and agrees to find him an apartment in the city. And it's it's funny how they imply that that was his excuse for when Lane kicked his ass, too, that he fell asleep yeah. and ran off the road. Yet the mm. car miraculously never has a scratch. No, they they don't build them like they used to. Apparently, man. he drives the Night Industries 2000... <laughs> Batmobile. Molecularly bonded shell, whatever that, you know, Michael Knight's car was. Because, oh, oh, Kit. Yeah. yeah, Kit. There you go. That wasn't just his awesome. name. It was an acronym, you know. 
what was it? What does it stand for? Night Industries 2000. I just said it. 2000 is the T? Yeah, That's TC. terrible. Yeah, it was. It was the 80s, man. I guess. <laughs> uh, that doesn't excuse anything. Uh, Especially not David Hasselhoff. My, my question is, is living in the country such a big part of why Pete is miserable? Is this going to help him? Oh, hell no. An apartment in Did you city? not miss the fact that he said permanent wound? Yes. Was definitely. he happy in the city? No, he was not happy in the city. But he has made a big stink about his 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 wife called it out, his love affair with the city. But, that man, that's just the – he wants an apartment so he can fuck women <laughs> on the side. I get that. I with, get that. With no consequences. Is that – his problem that he can't go philandering no, I don't know. all over the city. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what his core problem is. Yeah. Whether it's, I mean, Peggy doesn't seem to be a great explanation for everything that ails him, but I don't, I mean. I think he's been messed up long before Peggy. Well, I mean, they, they did lay some groundwork that there were some problems with his family, and so I mm-hmm. probably, yeah, sure. But right. he's, I mean, Pete's, his character's defining characteristic is he's unhappy. Yeah. Has there ever been a season when he's been happy? No. Even when he's happy, it's always happy and it's like fake, you know, weird. Yeah, it's like I'm supposed to be happy, so I'm happy. Yeah, like he's yeah. acting. Yeah. It's a, it's really strange. Speaking of acting, okay. next scene is Don watching Megan's audition tapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my opinion, he sees in this how sad she is. I don't think the sadness is an act. I don't think she's pretending to be sad in this tape. I think she's pretending, she's trying to pretend to be happy, and the sadness is just coming through. Because several times she smiles. Uh, she's obviously happy at the beginning. She's acting. Uh, towards the end, she looks very sad, looks very distant, and she's smiling occasionally. I don't know. Which to it's me says there's sadness that she's trying to break through. That's a lot of analysis that I don't necessarily agree with. Okay. That's fine. So that's just what I took from it. I, I mean, I think it's there, but it's also the thing I got to keep in mind is it's a demo reel. So they're probably yeah. saying act, act sexy, act uh-huh. sad, act, you know, it's just in, but you just have the visual, no sound. Yeah. Um, I know, but there, there are moments where her emotion goes from sad to happy, right back to sad. Uh huh. Like she's trying to be happy for these people, but it's not working. Right. That's just how I read it. Huh. Okay. Uh, and, and so that to me is Don watching her and saying, I should be there. Like I should, I should be helping her out with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he goes and gets her the audition. But like what said, I said, it. it's also very, it's, it's an obvious callback to the your scene of him watching the family videos of Betty. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was at a similar kind of like a balancing act where he was kind of like, you know, what am I doing to my family? This, yeah. you know, this fallout of the Don Draper, and we were just kind of figuring out the duality of him, and uh, this seemed to be his resolution was to double down and keep living the double life. <laughs> yeah. uh, and here, it's uh-huh. you've got to wonder if his realization is that I need to start living the double life again. you got to wonder, especially in the last scene. With the music playing that they're playing? Yeah. So... Uh, next scene, Joan shows the other partners the new office space. Which, by the way, can she walk anywhere without her ass swinging like a barn gate in a tornado? <laughs> Apparently not. I mean, damn. <laughs> yeah. She's Joan. She's Christina Hendricks. What do you it's want? worth 5%. I get this. Apparently so. 
loved the cinematography in this. Oh, yeah. Loved that shot out the window. I think this should be the season six poster, honestly. There's a lot of people and a lot of hay on Reddit to people making various artistic takes of that as backgrounds and wallpapers. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I got a couple of crazy things. Um, first of all, you know, we we talked about Pete to have the same views as Don. Um they talked about a lot about support columns in this season. Like uh, they were a yeah. conspicuous part. Pete's and also office. they were a conspicuous part of this layout. You could see it's a vast area, but there's support columns. What do you think about all the guys standing there straight in their establishment gray cement suits mm-hmm. and Joan is the pillar in between of them all emblazoned in red? I didn't think about that, but that's interesting. Because she is literally the platform on which this new fountain success of the company was built. She yeah. made Jaguar possible. And now she's going to be a big part of the company, considering mm-hmm. she's a partner, and they have no accountant. And I did like she's the fact the that she kind of held her own in the boardroom, and people took her seriously. Yeah, yeah. So That's one thing I don't think Joan's ever had a problem with, is people taking her seriously. Not, mm, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can agree with that. I think Roger has a kind of patronizing view of her. Uh, certainly not anymore. After really? she's denied his checks and says you're not going to have any part in this kid's life. I don't know. We'll see. Interesting, though, that Roger did want to, after last uh, after last episode, uh, you know, Ro- uh, Don calling him about the coat check girls. Yeah. He does seem to not want that for himself. He's on to yeah, this he's LS- back onto the LSD train. But I, I thought that, you know, I don't know. Hmm. Anyway. I don't know. It's a battle that Roger's fighting, right? I mean, yeah, his inner his inner child. Mm-hmm. He's wanting, you know, kind of want to finally grow up at the ripe age of 61 or whatever he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he's 35. <laughs> um, all right, next scene. Megan is on set at the commercial shoot. And Donna's there for the first time. He's actually watching her. Well, Which this was another kind of. <laughs> this was another I thought obvious callback to season one where uh, Don got Betty that Coke commercial. Yeah, and there was a comparison shot. I can't remember if it was on the Tom Lorenzo recap or if I saw this on Reddit. They all kind of blend together, but they had a and they've done it several times. Seasons compare shot for shot. Like here's Betty and on the set with Don standing there, and there's Megan. Uh-huh. That means something, right? Uh, what are you talking about? Is Was it a similar shot? It was exactly the same shot. Oh. I mean, f- wow. staged, cameras in the same spot, the lighting was a little bit different, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was basically, this. it was a, it was a um, like a, almost a shot, exact shot remake. Interesting. And that can't be, like, that. again, that can't be by accident. Uh, certainly not. And I feel yeah. like that's as a turn, one thing we've talked about this season is, is this the examination of how Betty got to be Betty. Yeah. And is I mean, this we, the, we talked about that a little bit and, and how, you know, like Dr. Faye Miller said, I don't, you know, does she know you only like the beginnings of things? Uh-huh. Well, this is kind of this, this is kind of, you know, we started the honeymoon phase last year and is that the signally the definitive end? We've been in the decline, but is the definitive end of the honeymoon period? That's a good question. You have to end of the beginning. You have to, try to figure out what you think don's answer to the final question of this episode was oh i think it's obvious uh, and we'll we'll talk about that okay but uh first we have talked about that last scene a little bit 
Uh, Dom walks off the set and into a bar to order an old fashioned, and it's montage time. Well, it's by the way that shot was fucking badass too. Like the last Amazing. fifteen minutes was a tour de force cinematically, and we got to yeah. give props because Wiener directed this episode. He did uh, fantastic. So Don walking from that brightly lit set, Megan's dream into the darkness and shadows, yeah. so perfectly thematic, winding his way into the bar with the old fashioned. I mean, to me. That's and setting up that montage that way. That's clear direction that we're seeing old Don. Yeah, and certainly. I'm not pining for old Don. Honestly, I mean, I don't hold. And there's all, there's all this talk about Don being out of touch uh-huh. and Don being not built for this age or whatever. And then he orders an old fashioned in the bar. Right. Come on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> A little heavy handed, but it works. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, continue your montage. So the montage goes. Uh, Don walks into the bar, orders the old fashioned. Peggy sees two dogs humping outside the window right. on her first business trip. It's not Paris. <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. Uh, Pete listens to some music, I assume. Yeah, he's, he's got headphones that a, on. That's the funny, that's another juxtaposition because he made a big deal of how giant his stereo is. Yeah, no, he's just But headphones. he never gets to listen to it. He's always listening to it by himself on these equally enormous pair of headphones. Yeah. And Roger uh, displays... What he's got to the world, <laughs> and it's I mean, interesting. Dog, yeah, let's let's talk about. He's these. tripping alone and mm-hmm. having a great experience of it. He is, uh, apparently, apparently. Uh, what do you think about Peggy's scene here? He's trying to fuck all of New York City because I know this was kind of in that video they talked about before with uh, the cast interviews uh, with the dogs humping outside her window, and she's drinking Whoa. her wine and got her. She's in a hotel room. She's on her business trip. This is exactly what she's wanted. Right. And Elizabeth, she described Peggy as being supremely happy in this scene. And honestly, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, there's a little off-putting with the dogs humping outside. Sure. I think the dogs humping outside were to show that she's not in a paradise here. No. But this is her paradise. No. And it's no, a, it's no, no. I, I no, I'm disagreeing. Okay. This is not her paradise. Yeah, but she's happy. But she's, she's happy. got. She's she goes back to her bed and she's got her drink and she's got her work there and well, that's what not, makes her happy. Yeah, it's not most people's version of paradise with no. the dogs humping outside her window. Right, but it is her paradise. Sure, sure. I like that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the scene with Roger, awesome, hilarious. <laughs> this is classic Roger. Sure. Uh, classic LSD Roger. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> now that we've seen it twice. Um, and moving on to the final scene, we go back to Don uh, at the end of the montage, who gets propositioned by a couple of girls who ask him, are you alone? Mm-hmm. What is his answer? Very existential question. Now, the thing is, I thought the first time I saw that his his expression was neutral. The second time I watched it, I thought I detected his Right before it went into black, his expression turning up into like a, a smirk or, or a, a wan smile. What did you think? Uh, I did not notice that. I think the answer is, yeah, fuck yes, I'm alone. Yeah. I, I came to that same conclusion. Mm-hmm. He's not going to change. Nope. He's Don Draper. Yep. He's Dick Whitman. Whatever he, whatever he is, that's what, what he is. What do you think about the people? Because a lot of this came on Facebook. There were uh, people were saying that this episode, this season, and it's the only one where... We've seen Dick Whitman all season. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? Like, he wasn't Don Draper. He was like, Peggy said, who is this kind, patient person I knew? 
and that's, that's he's true. kind of been rolling. The well, he's di- been out of his work a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but he's been yeah. rolling the Dick Whitman path, and yeah. and now, uh, and I think that's definitely a valid point because he's got a very dual nature. Dick Whitman is kind of the sensitive, wounded animal, um, tortured individual, and Don Draper is the confident, uh, impenetrable, impenetrable, uh, you know, cipher that has no. No jagged edges, no rough edges. Yeah. He's perfect. Well, connect this with the scene where he's on the nitrous, and his brother says he'll hang around. Mm-hmm. Does that change your opinion on his answer at all? What do you mean? Is he alone? Uh, his brother oh, you think Adam's with him. Uh, his brother Adam there says, "I'm going to be with you." Mm. But I don't think that is in a good way. <laughs> by not be and also the other thing is the same like you know the tooth's not the thing that's rotten yeah he's basically saying it's don himself certainly and his he turns the other thing i had a theory when i was like is like that his he every every life that he touches turns to shit and crap yeah maybe him setting megan on this course and starting to cheat is his way to save her from himself maybe that he's going to like, you know, instead of, unlike Betty, I strung along for a decade and you know, had all the kids and stuff. I Turned her fat. I, I want to make this, <laughs> I want to make this brute. I want to just be like ripping off a Band-Aid. Gotcha. I'm going to start whoring and lose total respect for her and start drinking and smoking and uh-huh. drive her from me just to save her from myself. Can I just say excellent cliffhanger? Yeah, you, I mean, it's interesting. You did say that that was a season. you did say that was a cliffhanger, and I think it's meant to be. Uh, I think it's a so weird to cliffhanger say, well, if, if everyone knows what's going to happen, or they think they do. Well, that's the thing. How they far think they do? Yeah. How much do they really know? The cliffhanger is how far is Matt Weiner going to flash forward? That is because a there's a lot of listeners wrote in and said, you know, the summer of '67 is not to be missed. It's the summer yeah. of love. Well, uh, there was a lot of stuff. I, I don't know if a, a listener emailed this or what, but there was a lot of stuff in the background about Vietnam heating up. Well, yeah, and that's that happens in 67, 68. But 67, yeah. the summer of love. 66 seemed to be the summer of fear and distrust and death. Mm. So that's kind of an interesting theme if they come back right as that's starting. Yeah. So We'll only have to wait another 18 months to find no, out. No, <laughs> the thing is, like, uh, we don't have – we don't know when it's coming back. Yeah. Uh, but it could – it traditionally comes back in, like, nine months. Awesome. So 18 was only because they had the contract dispute and all that. Yeah, yeah. So. Can't wait. Yep. Ready for feedback? Do it. Uh, Julie Holtzman. This was a few emails from the previous cast. Julie Holtzman writes, not sure if someone explained it. Uh, She broke down fees and commissions for dummies. And she puts in parentheses, I work in advertising. Fees, like with a lawyer or any other service, there's an agreed upon fee, uh, which is a list of how many people work on the account, their percentage contribution, etc., but the end, it's basically paying for hours of actual work. A commission is an agreed-upon percent of the media spend, meaning if Jaguar spends $50 million on media, which is ad space and broadcast print, outdoor, radio, whatever, the agency would pay an agreed-upon percentage of that $50 million. The issue with commission is that it's not guaranteed. So even if your entire team works on creative, a plan, placing ads, etc., if the client decides to cut back on media spending or cancel campaign, you're not getting paid. Neither one is worse than the other. It just differs for every client. Um, so, but you can, she says, you can see why Don is against commission. It makes Harry's job much more relevant. Don wants to get paid on everything he does in his department, which is creative, regardless of what actually makes it to air print, et cetera. Yeah. So thanks. So you were right. I was totally wrong. 
I think. Yeah, I think that's how it played but out. But what's weird, though, because the way she explained it, I thought that they w- did like to work on commission, and they were against working on a straight fee. Hmm. Okay. But that's the one thing. It's like, but that's like a week in the past. And so, but anyway, thank you for il- illuminating that. Yeah. Uh, Cynthia Brooke writes in, says, uh, wants to run this time frame for fees and commissions. She says a fistful of dollars released on the U.S. on January 18th, 1967, which is a Wednesday. Yet Valentine's Day doesn't seem to happen or have been discussed. If the episode must have been, the episode must have been at the end of January and not in February. If it was in February, there would have been stupid Valentine's Day decorations on the office. Don had a couple of days to prepare his pitch at the same time that Lane had to resign by Sunday. So Don found out about the pitch meeting on Friday. As you said, the meeting was to be on a Monday, which was also the time frame in which Lane had to resign. So the pitch meeting had to be Monday, January 23rd or January 30th. I think that means that Lane died sometime Sunday night, January 22nd or 29th. Ooh. Seems legit to me. And it also makes sense why it was still snowing. Um, I maybe it makes me think that maybe I fucked up that quote from Don where he said at the guy at the beginning, it's like, well, give us a month and see. Maybe he actually said we've been on the account a month. You should see what it looks like because that mm-hmm. would match up with yeah. Cynthia's timeline exactly. So thanks for that. Uh, Jeff sent in via his Tandy 64 regarding why does Don want Dow? Uh, he says he's been looking for satisfaction at his work and realization that Jaguar was not the result of his own work, or which was Ginsburg's, or his own pitch, which was Joan. I believe he's feeling marginalized. It shows he really took this seriously and put a lot of work into preparing for the meeting, shown when he recites the specific of napalm off the top of his head when asked. Mm-hmm. He tries to exert his will on Dow, believing he can force them to agree to his proposal, despite them not wanting or believing they need a new firm. It'll be a serious blow to his ego if they rebuff him. Uh, that is another kind of cliffhanger. It is. We don't know what happens with Dow. Right. Although it's weird that, you know, Don wants to make this big old splash account, and the next episode they're talking about how much money they're making now. Yeah, so. that's true. And it's apparently flash forward two months. Yep. Uh, Shep says, Roger must have totally loved the terms of Ken's agreement. Not only is he the first one to work a deal that doesn't cost him money, Rod's nearly choked with excitement when he realized how badly Ken <laughs> wants to stick it to Pete. Yeah. I'm sure the ween knows that we, the Lowy followers, deserve to see that play out. Uh, he also wondered, did anyone else come up with a reason for Lane breaking his specs? It's been bugging the shit out of me. Us too. We, we hypothesized about it, but no, no nothing. That's that's your hypothesis. Finality. Crap. By the finality. way, finality. Uh, <laughs> also, regarding Sally, just how the hell did she get her little limbs around Betty? She must have had a prosthetic extended arms with that scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh god. Oh, good stuff. Speaking of stuff, we're on to the new stuff. This is all stuff for this uh, current episode. Phantoms. Sean C says, judging from your Mad Men thread, I was one of the. Only people disappointed in the finale of what I thought was an otherwise great season. We've all known since the yep. day Megan quit the firm that Don was struggling with staying faithful. Seeing him proposition at the bar did nothing to change that for me. Likewise, we knew that Lane's suicide would bring up feelings about his brother. No surprise or drama there. Pete getting punched a couple times was nice. But all that went away when Trudy gave him the okay for his Manhattan apartment. That smug bastard. And I hope the scene of him spilling his guts to Beth was not meant to evoke some sympathy for his character because that will never happen. This is the greatest show on TV, just not the best finale for them by my standards. Can I say that... Disagree. I think this is the best season, save for season three, and the best finale, save for season three finale for me. Wow. Uh, All right, I don't know about that, but uh, what I was going to say, 
Uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. All right. Keep moving. Good enough. (laughs) Um, Kevin Dolan said, Peggy's going to hit it big. I'd be hard-pressed to identify a more iconic advertising campaign of that area than Virginia Slims. Not only is the product itself incredibly successful, but the tagline, you come a long way, babies, adapted for the sexual revolution and women's movement. It signals the start of a change in social mores where thin is in and the Jones of the world are out. And Peggy has kind of done that herself. She's forged a path into advertising for women. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Daniel Mendoza said... Uh, I do remember what I was going to say. Oh, damn it. I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. (laughs) I'm just fucking with you. Oh, okay, good. I'm happy again. Uh, being a huge James Bond fan, I had a nerdgasm myself when I started to play You Only Live Twice in the outro. I still don't know where they're going oh. with that. Is this the beginning of a new life in some way? Um, or is it a return of Don's old life with Betty and the Manhorn? I'm hoping for the former. So, yeah, You Only Live Twice. Uh, and, and the theme literally is you live your real life and your life of your dreams. But also there's obvious symbolism, <laughs> live twice, double life. Yeah. Which Dick Whitman, Don Draper, mm-hmm. you know, family man, Flander. Uh, uh, what do you think about that symbolism? I don't know. Didn't you say there was another James Bond reference here? Yeah, the Somewhere movie the that they sat down to watch was, a James was Bond Casino movie? Royale. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Not one of the the Sean Connery ones. But, sure, because sure, there was like sure. a whole bunch of... That was Peter Sellers, wasn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. there was a whole bunch of fucking screw up about the rights of James Bond. And uh, Orson Welles? Yeah, I don't uh, you, You've already exhausted all my knowledge about this movie. <laughs> I'm fairly certain. It was black and white. I saw it eight ago. But they had ago. two competing franchises. They yeah. had the one with Sean Connery and then the other they tried to make. Yeah. Um, so, kind of I curious. don't know what relevance it has, honestly. Uh, I haven't given any Well, Don Draper so. always, I thought, looked like James Bond, like uh, Sean here pointed out. Sure. So, um, let's see. Moving on. Linda Schmidt said, I love Pe- Peggy's spontaneous hug for Don. She seemed to see him as a peer now. She never would have done that back at SCDP. Was disappointed in the 50K to Lane's widow when they had, in fact, received so much more. Mm-hmm. Also, I wonder about the picture that Lane tucked into his wallet. His wife thinking he had an affair when, in fact, it was just another fail or failure for Lane. Love the shot of Roger naked in the window. He's no sweaty chic, but I thought he looked pretty good and perhaps only one who looked happy. Uh, Linda, I'll tell you what, it would not take $50 million to get me into bed with Roger. No? The conversation alone would be worth a discount on my standard rate. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Oh, he said, also, last of all, Joan, no matter how business savvy she seems in partners meeting, she's still stuck in another era. She seems to think her vagina, uh, rhymes with Regina, is a superpower capable <laughs> of landing contracts and saving lives. Wow. All right. Would definitely due to former, debatable on the latter. Megan Kennedy says, so Peggy's gone from dressing like a Catholic schoolgirl to donning red robes like an imperious cardinal. She really has come a long way, baby. I like nice. that. I like that because I don't, I'm fairly oblivious to wardrobe. Yeah. Unless it's hideous. Sure. Unless you're hairy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I like that when people make that, uh, point out that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Zupano, uh, we actually talked about this, about, he talked about the scam about the actor modeling agencies. So uh-huh. we already covered that in the, the text. Kimberly Ginsler says, I don't necessarily disagree with everyone about the ending, but I understand how Don going back to his old ways would be interesting storytelling. Why would we want to watch the same thing that we've already seen? Fair? Maybe. I mean, if the story is about uh, the inevitability of Don's life, then maybe not. 
it might be interesting to watch him never change. Well, plus, to see, arguably, to see all these paths he could have taken. Right. And then to see him not take any of them. Right. Well, and arguably, he shed his old family and got, he moved up. Sure. I mean, he yeah. got Megan, who's a child bride, and he got rid of Peggy, and he still has a relationship with the children, and he got a promotion in his job, and all those things happened. So it might be that the next time around is going to be all about his comeuppance because he can't hang and do this anymore. True. So True. that could be interesting. I think either path could be interesting, depending on how they do it. All right. Uh, Kate K says, some season reflection. I think this season we have been watching Dick Whitman the whole time. This is one of the ones, yeah. the first takes I saw of this. Dick has been trying to live his life and failing at every turn. He's been trying to do the right thing and make it work. But from his marriage to the firm, Don is not cut out for it. I think he's slowly been putting Don back on again. But I think he pushed it all the way with those last few scenes at the end. I think Don seeing his brother, telling him not to leave him, was a goodbye to the farm boy Dick. Dick died in the war. He is and always will be Don. Don is everything that Dick is not. I like that take. I do too. Louisa, Lisa Louise Langford has some sad news here. She says, Sweet mother of God, I just conducted a drunken breakup with someone over an episode of my old Kentucky home playing in the background, which is the <laughs> one with Roger in blackface. And did I mention that Triple L is our senior black correspondent? Wow. That's messed up. She says, It was Wiener-esque brilliance with my tears and his cluelessness. I started watching this show this season, and I just loved having your podcast to turn to. I listened to an old Blue Yonder podcast. Wow. And damn it, I will pay money to listen to y'all banter. And she says, also parenthetically, I'm drunk off my ass. So if all, enough of our listeners start drinking desperately yeah. over a breakup with racially charged and sensitive material, uh-huh. we can make this a financial success. Might I recommend Canadian Club? <laughs> we need to weird. We need to strip mine the listeners' misery. That's where the money's at. <laughs> That's horrible of you. <laughs> what am I casting with Pete here? Come on. Well, you know, I got to do what it takes, whatever it takes. Yeah. Uh, Sleep Cin- with the chic. Uh, Cynthia says, I think this is discussed in a podcast, but I can't remember. When does season six start? Well, we don't know. No idea. Yeah. I assume it's going to be another uh, February start, right? Or March start? Is a March I, start this year? I have no idea when it started. Uh, Matthew Eikhoff says, considering the opening ending sequence with when You Only Live Twice, I think it's taking place at the beginning of the summer of love. You Only Live Twice is a movie that released in June 1967. The main part of the episode occurs in the middle of March during the week of or before the Easter of 1967. Nice. So he picked it up. Uh, I think. I don't think this was a timeline error because of the way Matthew Weiner Weiner uses music mo- movie as in history as a background time reference throughout the show. Mm-hmm. So as Don walks out of the commercial being shot, we see him and the other characters during the summer of love. This might simply be artistic license, the way he used the song out of date, but why would uh, Weiner skip over the summer of love without addressing it? I don't see the show picking back up in the middle of 67, which means Weiner should have skipped, uh, would have skipped over one of the most famous events of 1967. So I guess he's saying that there's going to be very little time skip. Either that or that would be an impressively short time skip. Oh, that he's just going music, to yeah. that he's just going to skip it over Maybe. That would, and go right to the more tumultuous 1968. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nikki Powell says, I thought the ending contained a hint that Don might make a play for the Virginia Slims campaign. When Ted Chagagaga and Patty were talking, there was a question of whether she would light the cigarette or whether a man would light it. Then at the end, Don lit the woman's cigarette. Don makes so many of his artistic discoveries through problematic interactions with women. I got the feeling that when this bold woman approached him, he got the idea for a woman's cigarette Peggy had mentioned to him. Oh. 
So she also, because I poked the hints like, look, you know, how is she, he ever going to get to tobacco after he wrote that letter? Mm-hmm. And um, Captain, the Captain Noel Albano shot back. I think Don getting on Virginia Slims is still plausible on three fronts. One, intent. Don said in the theater with Peggy that he yearned for the easy money. Um, Don, by nature, is a relentless hound dog for business. Two, opportunity. If our conjectures about SCDP getting Dow business are true, then Baxter and his board member cohorts are forgetting the cigarette letter more and more. Straight up, if SCDP is getting good business, then Baxter's ominous statement to Don isn't true anymore. And three, track record. He's done it before to Ginsburg. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, and then Melina Mel, uh, Mims uh, piled on and said, what if she plucked Ken and Dave, da- uh, what if, she, what if Peggy, uh, fought back by plucking tin, Ken and the Dow chemical contract oh. without even trying because that's the Ken, pact. that's the pact. And, and, yeah. and I like the idea cause it ties in Ken's relationship with his father-in-law. Yep. That would be a vicious, vicious Bloody warfare, Ooh. civil war between Peggy and Don. I was going to say, what do you think happens with their relationship after that? I don't, I don't know. Like I said, my theory was that movie might be a turning point to where Don's checked her out off of his his list. Could be. Uh, Kevin says, the season st- ends with Don contemplating a question, are you alone? He's just given his wife a role that may jumpstart her career. Peggy left the agency. He's about to propel an iconic brand of cigarettes, and his brother promises that he'll hang around. Sure, the women in the bar represent temptation, but they're asking the same question Don himself must be asking, and will probably be asking next season. Am I alone? I like that theme. Yeah, certainly this has to leak over into season six. Emma echoes uh, Sean up here, says, I can't be the only person disappointed by the finale. Half the excitement of last episode with Lane's suicide, this episode seemed to be somewhat of a snoozer. I felt like it could easily have been saved for the first episode of next season. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it's not as exciting as last episode, certainly. But no. I didn't feel like it was bad. This by any is, means. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, after a whole season of action-packed Mad Men, yeah. Um, okay, but, so but Dan, I feel him. Dan in New York with the epic take on Don's. You got blood on your mouth. Uh, last week after Don made the Dow chemical pitch, Roger said you got blood in your mouth. This week we actually see the blood because of Don's hot tooth. This mm-hmm. is Don as a vampire, as in Dark Shadows, or this week Don as a beast. Beauty and the Beast is all over this week's episode, but don't think yeah. Disney thinks Jean uh, Cocteau's 1946 film La Belle et la Bête. I just butchered French. Um, and they, and, I'm going to guess that's the, the French language the surrendered. So there's that. A very dark and beautiful retelling of the fairy tale that dwells in the psychology of the beast. He's ashamed of his beastly nature, ashamed when beauty sees blood on his mouth. Only beauty's mm-hmm. love, freely given, redeems him from being the beast. Unfortunately for Don, this week he learned that Megan's love really isn't freely given. Her love is entangled in all the things Don can do for her. When Megan's acting friend thanks her for the shoe commercial, she tells Megan, I'll be your slave forever. But Megan wants that part for herself, and she knows subconsciously how to get it by being a child. She basically winds it out of Don. Don is the power couple that used to walk into SCDP. He understands now that theirs is a relationship of dependency in which he is, in effect, bought her love and slavish devotion. Yeah. Um, what does this mean? There are two levels of beastliness here in Don. The surface level is Don is a lady killer. The answer to the question at the end, are you alone, is yes. Don feels alone and therefore will probably sleep with those women and many more. But the second level of beastliness should not be overlooked. This is Mad Men, and Mad Men is really about the 60s or America and how we got to where we are today. 
In the background of the couple of scenes, we hear new reports about Vietnam. This is a period of escalation with all the death that entailed. By aligning himself so thoughtlessly with Dow Chemical, makers of Napalm and Agent Orange, Don has blood in his hands or mouth. This is the deeper beastly beastliness at play. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Yeah, nice some take. good inside there. Uh, I think this is the last one, Marcelina from Poland. She says, is it just me or is Marie a lot like Betty? I could perfectly imagine Betty having the same pep talk with Sally someday. Yeah, probably. Agreed. Speaking of Megan, she finally realizes that her mother is right. She's indeed chasing a phantom because she will never be as good acting as she was at advertising. Uh, I'll go with that. I don't know. I still think it's on the table that she's good at at acting it's just incredibly yeah. hard to break into that it's kind of like the nfl yeah, yeah. I, you can I be a fucking good running back but mm-hmm. guess what there's only 32 of those positions for starting running back in nfl yeah so if you're the of the 300 plus million people in the country and if you take it to like start you know the like, second and third string there's like less than 100 so if you're the 101st best running back in the world you're playing canadian league football <laughs> if you're lucky yeah. so uh, Pete and Beth uh, says, I was rooting for him to get punched, and yes, I'm happy that he did get punched and t- kicked off the train, but let's face it, no matter how much I hate the guy, he clearly suffers from a severe form of depression, yeah. just like Beth. But Beth is right about one thing. They're not alike. She is, like she thought in the beginning, she acknowledges her depression, but Pete does not. Hmm. So uh, a quick thought about Pete being, well, Pete, I rewatched season three finale some days ago, and there is one thing Roger says that in a way foreshadowed everything that happened in season five. We want you because you will do whatever it takes. <laughs> and in the end, it was Pete who basically pimped out Joan. Yeah. He did what it took to get Jaguar. So um, I was mistaken. The final take from Josh P. Much as I despise Pete, I do feel bad for him. It seems that the only thing keeping him from happiness is his inability to obtain what he wants the way he wants. If he isn't calling the shots with crazy broads, his wife, or accounts, he's an empty shell of a Weasley rapist pimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. His lust for Jaguar may have foiled his chance of getting, uh, gaining a big chunk of power in the office. Jones 5% has got her in the door, and from the looks of it, her position is in a position to start calling shots. Roger, Don, and Bert don't seem to care that she takes the lead on things, and I can see this irritating Pete in the future. What do you think about that? Screw Pete. He's a junior. He doesn't have any say. Right. I don't know why they're letting Pete decide anything. Right. So she's got an equal, only 5% stake, but equal vote. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, which is now, okay, so Lane dying makes her vote, in effect, worth more? It would have to. The 25% would be split amongst the other partners, right? Because it was a, I'm assuming it was a five-man team now with Mm -hmm. Joan, so she had one-sixth, now she's got one-fifth of the vote. But apparently Pete gets a vote. Yeah. Because he's proxying it to Just because you're not a name partner... Doesn't mean that you don't get a vote. Sure. So he's, but they keep calling him Junior. So he's Junior Partner. Yeah. Which means I guess he doesn't get his name, but he gets right. power. Okay. Well, I hate to I say know. it, man, but that's it. That's it. For season no more five. Mad Men. Wow, I'm gonna miss it until Breaking Bad comes on. Then I'm not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I freaking love Breaking on Bad. On to the next one. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um. Honestly, Mad Men's my A one. You know, Breaking Bad's your A one. It's my A two. But mm-hmm. it is a nice consolation prize that we get four weeks off. Sure, which sure. we're not really taking off. We're not this other movie project. <laughs> yeah. But at least we don't have. We got our Sunday nights free and our Tuesday nights free. And yeah. uh, um, but again, if you would like to keep up with us, follow BaldMove.com. Join up on Facebook.com/slash BaldMove. Follow Jim on Twitter at BaldMove. 
Again, we've got this new thing with movies that we're going to try where we're doing a movie uh, review a week. Uh, or you can uh, kick in some cash to listen to the bonus content. We also might play around with doing some um, back episodes of Breaking Bad for the same kind of thing. Um, yeah. uh, as always, we appreciate your support on Amazon uh, at uh, amazon.baldmove.com. Or you can go to our little orange banner at the top of baldmove.com. And as always, the way that works is... Straight up, you buy something on Amazon during that session, we get a little tiny cut of the profit. We get a little juice. And we've got a flatter account. We're going to have a PayPal account pretty soon for donations. And we're also we're still working out the kinks to get this uh, pay for content going for our bonus content, for our movies and yeah. stuff. So, uh, But we appreciate everyone's uh, support. It's been a phenomenally successful season. Lots of feedback. Our Facebook has exploded. Uh, we're the number one. Madman podcast on iTunes. Thanks to you guys, and That's it's all thanks to you guys. Freaking amazing! You might not think it, but you're taking a couple seconds to give us the reviews yeah. and sign up on Facebook. All that stuff means a lot to us. And again, we appreciate it. If nobody was listening and nobody's commenting, we would have stopped doing this a long time ago. So, and if you haven't watched seasons one through four of Breaking Bad, go back and do it. You can do just, it. Just do. It. I'm going to find. I'm going to find a schedule, and I'm going to yeah. post it. Uh, to Facebook tomorrow, and and maybe even the website. So if the you, show is so good; it really is. It's compulsively watchable. It is Brian Cranston, the, the one of the best actors of our age, and Aaron Fantastic. Paul holds his, uh, holds his own with he him. He does, yeah. So check that out and join us for season five, hopefully. Mm-hmm. The final season. Uh, yeah, yeah, split into two parts. Right, kind of so. like uh, Walking Dead's been doing. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Uh, that is it. All right. Well, I guess we're going to sign off of Mad Men. Put the happy hour in hiatus. Make sure you tip your waitress. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Until next season, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Bye, guys.